Hello, everyone. My name is Byron Howell, and this is the Byron Howell Ministries podcast. Thank you for joining me today. Let me start this message by thanking those of you who have reached out to me about previous messages. I've been thinking about it because five people reached out to me over the past week, and that really blessed me. So thank you all for reading or listening to these messages, and I always love to hear your feedback. I'm always available to talk through these things with you, to pray with you. If you ever want to discuss the scriptures about one of these topics, I'm happy to do so. Please just let me know. And if these messages have helped you in any way, please consider sharing them or forwarding them on to your friends and loved ones. Subscribe to the podcast. If you go to byronhowell.com, you can subscribe to my a mailing list where I really just blast out the links to my blog and podcast. And and really, you know, I just hope that these messages bless you and please consider sharing them if, if they've been a blessing to you. And I don't do a great job of that, you know, encouraging people to like and subscribe and all of that. I need to do a better job. At least that's what they tell me. Uh, but please, you know, uh, definitely think about it. Definitely share this. And again, I really, really appreciate you. And, you know, of all the topics that we discuss, I really don't consider myself an expert in any of them, except maybe healing. I do feel like I know a lot about healing. But when approaching a new topic, one question I ask myself is whether I can help someone. Of course, I always want to get my topics from God, but I really want the details I share to be practical and helpful for your daily lives with hopefully, you know, a very solid spiritual component and maybe even a new way of looking at things. You know, that's kind of what I'd love to present here. But even if I'm not an expert on something, if I think I can be God's instrument to help you, then I guess I should talk about it. You know, and that's really the question of God, do you have something for me to share you know, even if I'm not an expert, even if I don't feel like I'm necessarily, you know, winning in this area of my life or crushing it in this area of my life. And today, you know, we're going to talk about marriage. And I definitely don't think I'm an expert on this subject. But I do think I have some stories, some scriptures, some points that can help you. And I also feel led by God to talk about this. So I'm going to trust him for his blessing and his help with this marriage. My wife, Shannon, and I have been married for 16 years and we've been together for about 20 we met at the University of Florida when we were 18 years old, and we started dating when we were 21 during the fall of our senior year. While we were acquaintances for those first three years, we didn't know each other very well, and that's probably a good thing for me. That senior year, which was the fall of 2002, really was an ironic time for me to start dating the person God wanted me to marry. On the one hand, I was in a terrible place. I drank and partied daily, and I was at the height of all the mental and emotional problems that I've talked about elsewhere. But strangely enough, it was getting so bad for me that I was about to hit a breaking point. It was getting so bad that I knew it was bad. I knew I couldn't continue living that way and that God was my only hope. So I started going to church by myself. I went on Wednesday nights and, and Sunday nights sometimes. Eventually, I asked Shannon if she wanted to start going with me on Sunday mornings. We went to a Victory Church in Gainesville, Florida, which I believe is still there. It was a great place. And Shannon had gotten saved in high school at a Fellowship of Christian Athletes meeting, but she didn't have a lot of the problems I did. You know, she she really, you know, she was just a very kind and loving person. But she was still away from the church, and she also ran with the party crowd like I did. Well, so we started going to church and things started changing and our relationship progressed. 
After that last year of college, I moved to Atlanta to start law school and she stayed in Gainesville to get her master's, but we continued in a long distance relationship. Then she moved to Atlanta and worked while I finished law school. While living in Atlanta, we attended Creflo Dollars Church in College Park, Georgia, and suffice it to say that that was basically another planet compared to our activities back in Gainesville, Florida. And that's where we really got turned on to the Lord and we've been serving God in various ways ever since. So our lives have radically changed over the course of our 20-year relationship. While Shannon has always, like I said, you know, been a kind and loving person, I have really changed and I take no credit. Everything I am, everything I have, the fact that I'm even still alive is only attributable to God's love and grace. And we've been through, unfortunately, a lot of hard times as well. I know Shannon's social media feed Looks like, you know, we travel all the time and just have this wonderful existence. And in a way, that's true. But we've also been through a lot of hard stuff. And that's a big part of the reason we live the way they, that we do. And so that's kind of a, you know, a brief history of our marriage, so to speak. So let's remember that the idea of marriage is first introduced in Genesis 2.24, when Adam says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. When thinking about that, let's also mention 1 Peter 3, 7, where Peter says, Likewise, you husbands, dwell with your wives according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. In the context of marriage, I think those verses are both extremely important, and I would like to start our discussion there. Now, consider for a moment the simple reality of the human situation. As is God's plan and desire, the world is filled with billions of men and billions of women. And if you're like me, and I hope you are, you find your spouse physically attractive. I have a beautiful wife. Hopefully, she thinks that she has a handsome husband. Now, am I the only man who's supposed to have a beautiful or desirable wife? Is she the only woman who's supposed to have a handsome and desirable husband? Of course not. And look, I'm not saying that I'm either of those things. I'm just making this point. In fact, it was always God's design for this world to be filled with attractive and desirable people so that we would be attractive to each other. And we'll come back to that point a little bit, but I think it's worth noting early on. And please hear me correctly, I'm not just focusing on the physical aspects. So in this world that is by God's design filled with attractive people, humans are called to choose one other person and join with them for life. Let's just go ahead and accept that this is the paradigm. In this world filled with billions of people, God's plan for your life is for you to choose one of them to mate with for life. Now, look, I know all of you know that, and I know that that's not some life-changing revelation, but I think it helps to understand the basics of reality. Billions of people here, billions of attractive people here, and God's plan for you is to pick one. And look, I know that lots of animals have multiple partners. And I also understand that various men in the Bible had multiple wives, but that was not God's original plan or design for marriage. God's design for your life is for you to be with one person of the opposite sex in a committed relationship. And in that relationship, God views you both as one flesh 
and heirs together of the grace of life. The marital relationship was created to be very different from every other relationship. Yes, the marital relationship is God's plan for your sexual life and for the birthing of children, but it is much more than that. Remember that God said in Genesis 2.18, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. God himself said that it is not good for us to be alone. Remember, Adam wasn't completely alone. He still had God. But Adam was alone as a human. God thought that wasn't good. Humans need other humans. A person needs a spouse, and we need the marital relationship. To put it another way, and now think of this. God was saying that for Adam to have the best possible experience, even though he was in the Garden of Eden, even though he was in paradise, even though he was in the direct presence of God, Adam still was in a state that God thought was not good. Adam still needed another human. And I don't know about you, but I think that's profound. You know, we need our spouses. And in the marital relationship, we find a human connection that we won't find anywhere else. And in truth, sometimes this is hard to admit, but I need Shannon. If I lived in the Garden of Eden in a sinless state, walking with God in paradise, I would still need Shannon. And that's hard to even accept. It's hard to even really fathom that. But that's what God said. I need Shannon to rise to the heights of my potential. I need Shannon to accomplish my good works on this earth. I need her for my life. And please hear me clearly. She needs me too. It's not just about me. We need each other we're supposed to help each other. We're supposed to be best friends, companions, lovers, prayer partners, and partners in so many other types of partnership in this life. And even if a person has a phenomenal relationship with God, that person still needs his or her spouse. And let me just say, I know some people are called to be single and therefore effectively to be married to God. And that's wonderful. And if that's your calling, I think that's great. But we aren't going to digress on that today. And I believe that's a very, very small number of people who are truly called to that lifestyle. So back to marriage. Please consider again that verse from Peter. You and your spouse are heirs together of the grace of life. And you know, I'm not exactly sure what that means, but it sounds extremely important. When you study out your inheritance from God, a lot of what you learn is fascinating and wonderful. While on the one hand, we are joint heirs with Christ and we inherit all that God has given Jesus, our spouses are also in that relationship. We are one with our spouse and together we are one with Christ. And let me put this another way. Your relationship with your spouse is an extremely important component of your relationship with God. Your life with your spouse is an extremely important component of your life overall. If your relationship with your spouse is suffering or is not where it needs to be, then your life is going to suffer and your life is not going to be where it needs to be. If your relationship with your spouse isn't right, it's highly likely that your relationship with God isn't right. And that's tight, but it's right. And we just need to keep this perspective about the importance of our marital relationship. So 
You might say to me, Byron, you don't get it. My spouse is the worst. I am trapped in this relationship. I can't imagine inheriting all God wants for me in this situation. I can't imagine living all that God wants for me while I'm in this relationship. I know that God hates divorce, but I feel stuck. Okay, okay, I understand. You know, how many married couples do you think have faced hard times or a rough patch? How many people do you think have questioned whether they made the right marital decision? Probably everyone at some point or another. And if you're in a bad relationship, assuming uh, there is no abuse, infidelity, or some other situation where God may actually be telling you to leave, then you should go to God for help. Help making that relationship you know, reviving, resurrecting, restoring, whatever word you want to use, but helping get that relationship back where it needs to be. Now, remember, in a way, this is God's fault. And I don't mean that to sound rude to God. I'm kind of just joking, but there is some truth there. God designed the system of marriage. And then God told us in Malachi 2.16 that he hates divorce. Uh, consider also some of Jesus's statements about divorce. You know, not a fan. God does not want you to get divorced. In fact, God wants to help you in your marriage so that you don't want a divorce. You know, you need to start praying for your spouse. You need to start asking God for help. Start asking God that by his spirit, he would bring you and your spouse closer together. If you have a problem, you need to get God involved with your problem, and that includes marital problems. You know, one time, probably 12 years ago, I was driving down Fletcher Avenue in Tampa. Shannon and I were going through a really hard time. Now, I know that God had told me to marry Shannon before we got married in several clear words, but I was still struggling. So while I was driving, I asked God, you know, was it your will for me to have married Shannon? And he immediately and clearly answered me, and I'll never forget what he said. He said, what does that matter? Well, that caught me off guard. He said, it's my will for you to be married to her now. And let me talk about that briefly, because I think that's a powerful and helpful statement. God wasn't telling me that his guidance on marriage wasn't important. It's extremely important. That is some of the most important guidance you will ever get from God. When you go to get married, you need to have a word from God about your spouse. Because when the storms of life come, when that devil puts that question in your mind about did you marry the right person, you want to have that word from God so you know you know that you know. But when God said to me, what does that matter? It's my will for you to be married to her now. His point was, regardless of what may have happened in the past, his will was for us to stay married, that his blessing was on our marriage, and that he would help me in this marriage. If you're asking God about what your marriage, about a potential divorce, about whether you married the right person, the most likely truth, unless we're in an extreme situation, is that God wants you to stay married and come to him for help with your marital problems. You know, millions of people have marital problems, but there are relatively very few marriage marriages where God wants a divorce. 
you know, but interestingly enough, maybe you did marry the wrong person. Maybe you disobeyed God or maybe you weren't listening to God. Maybe you didn't even know God at that time. And maybe you married somebody that really wasn't God's will for you to marry that person. But wonderfully, powerfully, your spouse was only the wrong person until the moment you said, I do. And in that instant, In the eyes of God, your spouse became the right person. Maybe you'll have struggles. Maybe you'll have to go through some extra stuff. But, you know, all married couples go through stuff. And the power and assistance of God is available for your marriage. Just as it is for even the most perfect, you know, match made in heaven type marriages. Let me say that again in case it wasn't clear. Even if you made a marital mistake. God's blessing is now on your marriage and God's help is now completely and freely available to you to help with your marriage. God's will for you, again, unless you're in extreme circumstances, I hate to keep repeating that, but God's will for you is to stay and thrive in your marriage. God is going to help you. God wants to bless your marriage. God wants your marriage to succeed. God wants you to help each other Do all your good works and rise to your highest potential. God wants you to inherit the grace of life together. And no matter how bad the situation seems, God will still help you. You know, when we lived in Atlanta, I visited a lot of churches. Lots of big name preachers from around the world would visit local churches in Atlanta. Because, you know, it's a big city. A lot of churches there. Occasionally, I would go to hear someone preach. One time, I heard that Dr. Fred Price was coming to a local church. So I went down to hear him. Now, I believe he's gone home to be with the Lord now, but at one time he was a major, major preacher out of California. It was actually, this meeting I went to, was actually a meeting of his ministry association. I didn't know that before I got there. And that was quite a show. I could go on and on, but let's stick to the marriage thing. For some reason, a young pastor had been selected to teach that night, even over many of the older preachers. He was going to be teaching in front of Dr. Price as well, who was in the audience. And I think it's safe to say that this was a huge moment in this young pastor's life. And I recognize that. Now, the subject of using your mouth and words correctly is not exactly fresh revelation to the church. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks And I could give you many other verses about the importance of your words. This young pastor got up there and started teaching on this subject. And honestly, I'm sitting there thinking everybody in the room knows this. I can't believe you're talking about this. But he said, and I'm paraphrasing, he said, look, I know you've heard this all before, but this is extremely important. And if we can get this right, a lot of other stuff is going to get right, too. And then he started talking about his marriage. He said that he was struggling in his marriage, but he started to speak the word of God over his spouse and things began to change. I'll never forget what he said. And this is a direct quote. He said, the woman just started looking better to me. And he wasn't suggesting that her appearance changed, but rather God was working on him. And now he found his wife more attractive. Moreover, his marriage was starting to thrive. Ironically, Dr. Bill Winston, who is my primary man of God next to Andrew Womack, has almost the exact same story. Dr. Winston pastors a huge church in Chicago and truly has a worldwide outreach. 
but he was a young Christian when he married his wife, Dr. Veronica. Dr. Winston says that six months into his marriage, he just started disliking everything about her. I mean, the way she looked, her cooking, everything. But through the ministry of Charles Capps, Dr. Winston got a hold of the teaching on the importance of our words. He started praying and speaking Proverbs 31 over his wife and his marriage. After a short amount of time, things radically changed and they've had a wonderful marriage for many years. Now let me talk about two other preachers briefly, just in case this helps you. Jesse DePlantis and Jerry Savelle are two preachers that I don't really follow, but they both had a very large impact on the world for Jesus. Interestingly enough, both of their wives have the same testimony. Brother Jesse and Brother Jerry married godly women, but at the time they were both complete heathen. Brother Jesse was a musician and Brother Jerry was into cars and racing. At night, while they slept, their wives would place their hands on them and just pray in tongues for a long time. And these women did that years before they knew each other. And I heard them tell those stories independently. Well, that tactic worked, sure worked for them because Brother Jesse and Brother Jerry are two extremely influential men of God with huge ministries today. So, you know, that's just an idea. Maybe do that for your spouse, especially if you're having trouble. It may, may very well be uh, that Shannon, you know, prayed for me many a night while I was sleeping. But anyway, you know, I've never had huge problems with Shannon where, you know, like I disliked everything about her or something like that. But I have understood the importance of my words. So I have some verses I speak over my marriage. And part of my confession is Proverbs 5, 18 through 19. I rejoice with Shannon, the wife of my youth. Her breasts satisfy me always, and I am always ravished with her love. And look, I don't mean that to sound crass. That's just what the verse says. And I don't know that's why the, that's the verse that my mind latched onto. It just is. But I can honestly tell you that I think Shannon is the most beautiful woman in the world. And as men, and I'm speaking to the men for a moment here, we have to understand that God's plan for the world was to be filled with beautiful women. That's just the way it is. Moreover, you are allowed to have sexual desire for only one of them. And that's just the way it is. So the right thing to do is just accept the program. That's the way it is, and you need to make the most of it. Asking God to help you to come to the place where your wife is the most beautiful woman in the world to you is the right thing to do. Sure, there are all sorts of pretty women out there with all sorts of different looks, but God can make it so that to your eyes and your mind, your wife has that perfect combination of features that hits you just right. And my brothers, that's what we're going for. We can truthfully acknowledge that God wants the world filled with beautiful women. And we can also acknowledge that our spouse is the most beautiful woman in the world. Maybe you don't feel that way right now and maybe it won't happen overnight. But you start praying, you start speaking, you get your confession right. And these feelings will happen for you. And ladies, look, it's uh, it's exactly the same for you. Uh you know, find your husband less attractive physically, or, you know, maybe he's just got some personality quirks or idiosyncrasies that are grating on you. You know, guys, you won't know this unless you know me pretty well, but I am a seriously idiosyncratic guy. I mean, I had major OCD 
as a kid. I mean, I would check my homework four times, light switches, you name it. And praise God, I've been delivered for all that. But I still have my fair share. And, uh, you know, probably some of that bugs Shannon. And ladies, you may have things about your husband that, that bother you. Even if they're not like necessarily sinful or something like that, they just bug you over time. Hey, just start praying about it. Start speaking over your husband. Uh, gosh, I can't really think about it right now, but my stepmom, you know, my stepmom and my dad have been married, I don't know, close to 30 years or something like that. And, uh, you know, she's, she's always talking about, uh, you know, how she makes her confession over my dad and speaks over my dad and things like that. I guarantee you, hey, dad, if you have many years, I love you, but I guarantee, guarantee you my dad's got some idiosyncrasies. <laughs> and it's good that my stepmom says those things about him. But anyway, my point is, that, you know, get your mouth right, get your confession right, speak the word of God over your spouse. And even if your spouse doesn't change, God will move on your heart to focus your heart and your love towards your spouse. Look, while maybe you love the way your spouse looks, and I hope you do, learning to love the other aspects of your spouse can really take your marriage to another level. Frankly, my wife is a very loving, giving, and self-sacrificing person. Her dad was like that, and it just seems to come naturally to her. Those characteristics don't come as naturally to me, and sometimes they drive me crazy. Sometimes I can't stand it when she puts others ahead of herself. Sometimes it even angers me when she prefers what everyone else wants. You know, just the other day, we were going to a restaurant with some friends, the Moss family, and I was meeting everyone, so Shannon told me by phone that their young daughter, Chloe, wanted to go to a particular place. Well, in my mind, I thought, who cares what Chloe wants? I hate that place. Let's go somewhere else. But in Shannon's mind, the decision had already been made. Chloe wanted to go somewhere, so that's where we were going. Anyway, I couldn't believe it, but, you know, that's Shannon. You know, here's another example. You know, last Christmas, I couldn't believe the amount of Christmas presents that Shannon bought for other people. This was driving me crazy on multiple levels, as you might imagine. If Shannon was just like me, we'd probably only give gifts to our kids if they're lucky, and that's it. My love language is acts of service. I'm ready to help you, but don't expect me to buy you any presents. But that's Shannon making up for what I lack. Me, in and of myself, not good. Me, with Shannon, good. We should be giving presents to lots of people. There are lots of people who are bless our lives, who bless our lives. Lots of teachers that influence our kids. Just as example, we should be generous with them. You know, thank God I have a wife that thinks that way because I don't. At least it doesn't come naturally to me. And here's what's so powerful. Between you and your spouse, with God's help, you have every gift you need, every attribute you need, every characteristic you need. Furthermore, you need to understand that your spouse has gifts and characteristics that you don't have. And if you see your marriage as a partnership, as a team, you will start appreciating your differences. It took me a long time to realize that. I must appreciate Shannon's differences. Even when I don't like them, even when they rub me the wrong way, God said that I'm not good by myself, but with my wife, we are good or at least we have the potential together to be good. And just as another example in this area, uh, I remember one time asking God, you know, what I should be doing, like with my life. 
And he said, look, you're asking the wrong question. The question is not, what should I be doing? The question is, what should we be doing? He meant that his plans for me were really more in the nature of plans for us, for me and my wife. And I needed to be approaching these big picture questions that way. You know, it's great when you appreciate your spouse's looks. It's great when you appreciate your spouse's personality and gifts. But when you truly understand that your spouse is your life partner, that you are supposed to inherit God's best alongside your spouse, and that together with your spouse, you can do great things for the kingdom of God, because together you have all of the skills and gifts you will ever need for God's plan for your life, that's another level. Your marriage is not just about you, and your interactions in this relationship with another person where you do life together and try to do your best. Your marriage is about creating a unified existence on a physical and spiritual level with another person where God will do more with your united existence than he would with either of you alone. Your marriage is designed by God to be both a spiritual and physical union. And in that union, God will bring blessings to your life and God will help you do all that he created you to do. Don't desire a good marriage just so that you can have some parts of your natural life a little better. Desire a good marriage so that both you and your spouse can truly rise to your greatest potential existence and impact on the world. The best sermon on marriage I have heard is called The Covenant Marriage by Jimmy Evans. In that sermon, Pastor Evans describes how the word covenant comes from the word to cut. Your marriage, like your relationship with God, is based on a covenant. Jesus was cut so that you could come into this covenant with God, into your relationship with God. And your marriage is going to be a lifetime of sacrificial love, the cuts, if you will, where you sacrifice for your spouse. That's what God means in Ephesians 5 when he tells men to love their wives as Christ loves the church. When you are willing to sacrifice for your spouse in a truly Christ-like love, that opens the door for the amazing unity and spiritual relationship that God wants you to have. That sacrificial agape love isn't easy, at least it's not for me, but according to Romans 5, 5, the Holy Spirit has placed that love in your hearts for others. And it's time to start using it for your spouse. If you are having problems in your marriage, God will help you. Study the verses on marriage. Do, go, do a Google search for verses to speak over your husband or your wife. Stand in faith that God will help both of you come into a more perfect union to enjoy this life and do God's will. What I'm talking about really is another level of commitment, another level of the marriage covenant. Your marriage is an extremely important part of your life, your calling, your relationship with God, and your destiny. You need to think in terms of we and not just me. You need to truly incorporate this union into your personal mental framework, your hopes, your dreams, your aspirations, even considering your spouse as you consider yourself. Remember Ephesians 5.28, and this is really true for men and women, so keep this in mind. But it says, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. See, your marriage was designed by God to be good. 
good for you, good for your spouse, and good for the world. You need each other. With God's help and influence, no matter where you started, no matter what you were like when you met or when you got married, you can be, with his help, perfectly matched mentally, physically, and spiritually. You can accomplish great things together. You will inherit the grace of life together. Focus on these spiritual realities and God's desires for your marriage, and you will have the marriage God intended. My friends, thank you for listening to this message today. If you enjoyed it, please share it with friends. Please subscribe to the podcast. Check out ByronHowell.com. But just, you know, again, I'm always happy to talk to you, always happy to pray with you. Thank you again, and God bless you.